Hello and welcome to the Personal Investor Podcast. I'm Ed Monk. Today on the show, should the rise of AI be a cause of optimism or fear? That's a question relevant to economies and societies, but also the stock market as well. That's our focus this week. If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. You can't have missed the headlines about generative AI, headlines that are surprising, inspiring or terrifying, depending on your point of view. Computers can now do things that, until very recently, we all assumed were purely human pursuits. Writing fiction, creating visual art or producing instructions for other computers all can now be performed by artificial intelligence. The effect can be seen in the stock market, where companies behind AI have been in hot demand. In fact, there are fears that a bubble in AI could be developing. To discuss that, as well as some of the other news moving markets this week, I'm joined by Tom Stevenson, Investment Director here at Fidelity. Tom, welcome along. Um, the world has woken up, hasn't it, to AI in a big way this year. How is that story playing out in terms of the stock market? Well, Ed, in short, uh, it's driven a, 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 a renewed uh, interest in, in stock market investments. It's driven uh, a renewed bull market, in fact. In fact, last week, uh, the S&P 500 uh, index um, rose 20% above its low point last October. So that is the traditional definition of a bull market. So, you know, one way of looking at this is we are now in a bull market. And one of the key drivers of that rally in the stock market has been this interest in AI. And we can be a bit more specific because it's interest um, in AI in general. We all we would have seen examples of ChatGPT and these wonderful things that um, can be, be produced using generative AI, which is the sort of subsector of, of AI that we're talking about. But there's one company in particular, isn't there, that's doing the running here, and it's kind of an amazing story. Yeah. So um, Nvidia. Uh, one of the five biggest companies uh, in the in in the U.S. Uh, stock market. Uh, it's a recent uh, addition to the trillion-dollar company club. Um, it has grown uh, very rapidly uh, uh, over the last year, and it has grown to to the point where uh, its valuation is is pretty eye-watering. Um, uh, valued at, a, at nearly 200 times its expected earnings. Um, you go back a year or so ago, and uh, it was valued at 50 times expected yeah. earnings. Now, even that is a pretty highly valued company. So it started out um, as a big, valuable uh, company, and it has become massively bigger, massively more valuable. And, and NVIDIA, um, my understanding of that company is that they'll, they'll make uh, the hardware behind AI. Well, it's a, it's a chip maker, essentially. Yes. Um, and, the, and these chips are, are used... Um, uh, by uh, uh, artificial, by generative uh, artificial intelligence. So it's right in the sweet spot of this of this revolution. And, and it's clear that the gains that that company has made in terms of its share price. I mean, I've, I've got a bunch of numbers here. As you say, uh, 190 times earnings, 170 percent return year to date on an already huge company. That is that's really saying something. And it, and it surely has to be interest enthusiasm for. AI, which is which has pushed that because it was doing what it was doing last year, mm. but it's this increased attention in AI. You'd assume that's pushed it. To well, absolutely, lights. and 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 on no rational basis um, can can an investor justify investing in a company on two hundred times uh, its expected earnings because yeah. you know you're you're not going to get a uh, a return uh, on 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 your investment other than 
if the share price continues to rise. So it's a, wow. it's a speculative investment. Um, and it really does ring uh, some, some alarm bells. Um, it, it really is an echo of, of some of the kinds of valuations, uh, some of the kind of speculative investments that, that we saw 25 yeah. years ago at, at, the, at the height of the dot-com bubble. Yeah, and, and it's really hard, isn't it? Because um, I was reading commentary around this issue this week and um, a lot of professional investors, fund managers, whoever, um, according to reports, were beginning to lower their positions in NVIDIA on valuation grounds. How could they possibly justify it? Mm. But of course, the rally takes off. There's apparently a lot of retail money going into it, sort of ordinary individuals doing it for themselves and suddenly the professionals are wondering well maybe we should get back on board because Mm. if you don't then suddenly your return looks very puny compared to what the market overall has done Mm. that's how they're judged very often Mm. so and um, this is and this is precisely why um u.s uh, fund managers in particular find it so difficult to keep pace with the market because the market is driven by such a small cross-section of companies. If you're not in those companies, you really, and because they're so big uh, yeah. and they're so influential on the overall market index level, if you're not in those companies, you really stand no chance at all of matching the market. And as you say, the retail interest grows. Uh, professional fund managers think I'm missing out. They get sucked back in, and this is how bubbles inflate. Yeah, it's, it reminds me. I mean, we have actually been here before, and maybe even a more extreme example um, was Tesla like a, f- a few years ago. Huge valuations on that stock, and I remember talking to fund managers who said, "No, no, I, I would love to buy Tesla, but you know, it's simply too expensive." And it went on to new and new heights again and again. So it's difficult to know what the correct course of action here is. But um, I'm wondering what that has done uh, and what evidence you've seen of a skew now on the US market because of NVIDIA and because actually of um, some other companies as well. But uh, there seems to be a dichotomy, doesn't there? There's a massive there's a massive skew. There's a massive divergence in the performance of this small handful of shares which is driving the market and the market more generally. And you can see this if you, uh, if you look through a different lens at the index. So traditionally, uh, we, we look at what's called a market capitalization weighted uh, index. So the S&P 500 uh, is biased towards the biggest companies. The biggest companies have more of an influence on the overall level of the index. There's another way of looking at the market, which is called an equal weighted um, uh, index. Yeah. And essentially what that does, it takes 500 companies, it assigns a value of 0.2 of a percentage point to each one of those 500. So Apple They're is all the, the same, same size as yeah. so the 500th largest company. Yeah, so the the performance of, the of say, the top five biggest companies, Apple, Amazon, NVIDIA, Microsoft, there's one other, I can't remember. But anyway, you get the point, uh, is exactly the same as the five smallest, which is Broadly speaking, five companies that you've never even yes. heard of. Yes, um, and 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 that index, that equal weighted index, um, has performed very differently. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you look at year to date, the um, the S and P five hundred index is up thirteen percent since the start of the year. Mm. Um, as I said earlier, it's it's up more than 20% since the October low. But since the start of the year, the equal weighted index is not up 13%, it's up just 3%. So that's a very wide divergence. Yeah, very uh, and, and historically, it's an unusually wide divergence. 
And I mean, does that lead us to the conclusion that this is all built on sand <laughs> in terms of the recovery that we've seen this year? It's driven by this small number of stocks. And, and there's a fear that there might be some FOMO, some bubble-like activity in those stocks. I think there is some FOMO at work, fear of missing out. Um, uh, but there is clearly, there is an underlying story here. You know, the, the, the yeah. artificial intelligence uh, is a potentially transformative technology. Um, uh, and, you know, it sits in a long line of transformative technologies over the years, you know, railways, radio, um, the internet, um, yeah. all sorts of things have, have changed the world that we live in. Um, uh, there's a difference between that and those being good investments. And I, and I, and I wrote about this, this uh, recently. You know, the, it, it's tempting to get sucked into something that seems to be transforming the world mm-hmm. without really thinking too hard about the price that you're being forced to pay to participate in that story. And, and especially when we're at this sort of stage of, of a new technological development when it's really unclear who's going to have sort of ownership of that, if you like. I mean, you, you did write about it this week and you made the comparison with the um, the transition in the last century to uh, the motor engine and the fact that actually that was completely transformative in every possible way because, you know, horses were driving society and the economy and cities and just that change from horses to the motor engine, absolutely transformative. Um, But what's really interesting about this, I mean, it's it's an interesting historical um, uh, transition because, you know, it's hard to overstate the the importance of the horse to late 19th century, early 20th century uh, economies. I mean, they were everywhere. Uh, They drove, literally drove um, uh, everything. And that, within a generation, that changed. But the introduction of the motor car was, was fascinating for possibly unexpected reasons. I mean, for example, in the 1920s, the vast majority of cars were were bought on credit. So effectively, the whole consumer finance industry in the US was a product of the development of the motor car. And also advertising, to a a large extent, um, advertising was a product of that because when people were driving at 30 miles an hour plus, they couldn't really see the detail of an advert. It was that that triggered the introduction of big logos, for example, and so so a whole yeah. a whole sort of the whole Madison Avenue um, uh, <laughs> economy was was also driven by the motor car. None of these would have been predicted at the time. And, and had you been trying to pick a winner at the early part of that uh, technological evolution towards the motor car? you would have been faced with a choice of dozens, probably hundreds of automobile companies. Yeah. You've got to come and pick the winner. Yeah. yeah and M- massive consolidation then happened, of course. Yeah. And so the chances of getting the right one are very slim. So someone's, I'm going to say Warren Buffett said it. I don't know who said this. But someone said, you know, if you were, the, the trick would be not to pick the correct car company. It would be to short horses, right? So it would be to bet against the thing that's in decline. But that's not straightforward when it comes to investment. And, and to bring it back to the AI comparison, how do you do that? You've got to, sure, we can all think of industries, professions that might get disrupted badly by it. But as you said, the, it's nebulous, this. You don't know the, the yeah. outcomes. And also the flip side of that argument, backing the winners is not easy either. Because uh, another example, which I mentioned in the piece I wrote, was uh, about air travel. Um, so air travel clearly 
transformed the world in mm. the 20th century. Um, but again, it was Warren Buffett who, who, who talked about this. He said that, you know, uh, from, from an investor's point of view, the best thing anyone could have done when uh, the Wright brothers flew for the first time at, at Kitty Hawk was to shoot them down. Uh, because from an investor's perspective, um, in aggregate, no one's ever made any money out of the airline industry because right. it's very cyclical. Huge losses have been uh, made. It transformed the world, but it wasn't great for investors. And who knows how that's going to play out with, with AI because it has the potential to, um, uh, to transform economies, but also it has a negative potential to, to cause huge job losses. Well, it does indeed, and that's a, a much wider question, sort of social question. Just finally on this topic, Tom, um, is there anything that really people should take away from a practical point of view? I mean, we, we, we've spoken about the, the imbalance in particularly the US market because of this, this growth in AI. Um, should normal investors really worry about that? I mean, particularly if they're investing via funds or even index funds, they, they're going to get the whole market. They're going to get, um, maybe not equal weighted, but they're going to get exposure to the things that go up if it's a bubble it's a bubble but they would have ridden the the way up so mm. do you just sort of have to be aware of it and and just ride it anyway i think so. you have to i think you have to be aware of it um uh, the, the the risks are clearly higher when when uh, stocks are bid up to very high valuations um the the, the chances of getting a good return over time uh, are, are naturally lower mm. when when you when you invest at a very high uh, valuation. So I mean I mean one conclusion from this is that maybe a more broadly based investment in the S and P five hundred would be a safer approach than one which is very focused on these high growth technology stocks. However, if we are in the early stages of a of a technology driven uh, bubble then there will be moments along the way when that will feel like a very painful choice that you've made yeah. if those technology stocks continue to outperform. Yeah, indeed. Okay, well, let's move on, Tom, for now, because we did say that we'd cover some of the other news uh, affecting markets this week. And the big one, I suppose, is uh, the Federal Reserve. We're talking on Tuesday. They are meeting... Wednesday? Yeah, well, they, they will announce the the, uh, the outcome of their deliberations on interest rates on Wednesday. Before then, uh, today, actually, uh, we're, we're talking on Tuesday, um, we've got some inflation uh, data coming out. So, so those are the two big uh, events to watch this week, really. I think the inflation is going to be very interesting because uh, it's anticipated that the inflation rate is going to come down quite sharply. 4.9% uh, uh, CPI in April, expected to be 4.1% uh, in May. And the underlying, the core um, rate of inflation, which strips out the, the volatile measures like, like energy and food, uh, is expected to come down again a, a, bit, a bit less dramatically from 55 to 5.2%. So that will probably give the Federal Reserve cover um, to pause on its uh, interest rate hiking cycle. So it's expected that we will get no change tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, it's also expected, however, that that will not necessarily be the end of the cycle. Some people are talking about one more quarter point rise in yeah. July, which would take rates up to f nearly 5.5% uh, in America, which when you think that at the beginning of last year they were zero, 
is a massive tightening. Uh, yeah, cycle. A, ma- a massive tightening. I mean, it's, it's certainly true, though, isn't it, that um, Jay Powell is going to want to. He's not going to want to swing about with rates. He's going to want to try and get to a point, pause, and then bring them down in nice, sort of clear fashion. Um, so y- y- it's going to be interesting watching watching the inflation. I mean, we've had uh, wage data this side of the Atlantic as well uh, this morning. I mm, think strong, very strong, really strong. Mm. Now that's double edged. People earning more money is good in cash terms, but we know that that high wage inflation is filtering through to um, the headline level of inflation. So those wages are not keeping pace with prices, although that might change quite soon Mm. if inflation begins to come down. Inflation really is proving stickier, isn't it? We know it's a problem in the UK, but in in the US as well, maybe. Mm. Casting around for explanations of that is, is... is is interesting to watch, isn't it? I, I was reading recently that we've uh, there may be an effect post pandemic. All sorts of savings were built up in those years by people lucky enough not to lose their jobs. Of course, it could be that that is 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 a sort of a well of demand in the economy that is keeping prices higher than they otherwise would be. The next six months, it seems to me, are going to be very interesting to watch exactly how this plays out. Yes, I mean, I think the jobs market is fascinating at the moment. I mean, there is there is also uh, evidence that that many people left the the, the jobs market mm-hmm. uh, during during the pandemic, and that is creating shortages, which is driving um, driving uh, wages wages higher. Um, I think in the short term, it makes it very difficult for the Bank of England uh, not to continue raising interest rates. We've got a the Bank of England decision is next week. Um, this week we've got the Federal Reserve and the ECB in Europe. Next week we've got the, the Bank of England. I think both the ECB and the Bank of England are likely to continue uh, raising rates. We might have another two quarter point rate rises in in the UK before we're finished here. That's going to be very painful for mortgage holders in particular. It will indeed. It will indeed. Okay, Tom. Well, that is all the time we have for now. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Ed. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.